Watching it backward, he ain't seen it before. What will he find out? Turns out shows are kind of boring backward, but that's okay. We're gonna keep doing this weird fucking podcast anyway. Okay, so we're trying a different type of episode today because I, Sarah and I were out. Um, in DC visiting her family and uh, I just didn't really plan very well so I didn't get to hook up with Chris Um, so yeah we're just going to try our very first Kurt solo uh, episode and uh, yeah we'll see how it goes I'm going to try and keep it pretty quick so that I don't just ramble on because I don't really have any sounding board to you know answer questions or kind of poke me in certain in certain ways so it's going to be kind of like a just a me going through my notes on the episode and then talking about what was weird and you know just what 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 was going on in my head so uh here we go um so the episode starts off at the raven den is what i'm calling it apparently which is where um it's where bran is and uh, he go. He's with the Three Eyed Raven, and they go to another memory where they're watching um, his father Ned and Uncle Benjamin training. And then his aunt Liana comes in. I'm not sure if I've heard Liana. Liana's name sounds really familiar to me, and I'm really not sure why. Um, but yeah, I I definitely recognize this name. And he mentions that Ned didn't talk to uh, Bran about her too much. And then there's this character again where Chris and Olin were pretty amused with me not knowing Hodor or like the origins of Hodor. And so it shows Hodor whose name is really Willis, I think. Uh, And Hodor is training with or sort of jokingly training with Lyanna because Ned is going to leave that space and and who, who will train with Lyanna after that. And uh, they sort of are joking about Hodor and that he is a he is of giant's blood, and they're sort of kind of poking fun at him for those those reasons. Um, and then Bran seems really surprised to hear him talk, um, which was weird for me because I didn't understand that. But then later in the episode, it shows like real time Hodor, and he's basically like a Pokemon. He just says his name over and over again. Um, I'm really not sure why, and I'm not sure how he has gotten this change, because obviously Bran saw that he spoke uh, just like a, any any normal human, and so and no one else seems to believe him or something, so that, that's kind of interesting. He must have had a change, um, so maybe some traumatic event that created this weird... Um, well, it's funny because the very last thing I see of Hodor is he's like, he seems to be stuck in the memory or something. He's like stuck in some weird other plane plane of existence when I last see him. And he's saying 
hold the door, hold the door, and it turns into Hodor. So I'm not sure if that was a... I don't know if that's like his name is him fulfilling his destiny in some way, or if he that was a past memory and that's how he started just saying Hodor was because he was shouting hold the door in that very traumatic moment and then it turned into Hodor for some reason and then now that's all he says I, I'm not really sure which direction this goes and it'll be interesting to see how you know how that works um but it's really fascinating I'm, I'm definitely interested and the more I get of this brand storyline the more interested in I interested in him and, and his company as I am or as I get, um, I'm just, it kind of seems like a fun, intimate storyline. A lot of these storylines have a lot of branching characters. And right now, Bran and uh, his partner, I forget her name right now, and uh, the other elf, elven woman of, uh, I'm not sure what those, I forget what they are, the children um, of the wood those three are, are kind of interesting it seems like they're on like a sort of mission um and it, it for bran to get this information from the three-eyed raven or something um so yeah that's interesting to me um the scene cuts to devos in john and company hiding and i said i wrote in my notes john looks dead <laughs> so i thought i was going to see john die in this episode but apparently he must have died on the first episode, which is a fascinating. I hope he he probably died at the end of season five for obvious like cliffhanger kind of reasons. But I kind of love the idea of a main character dying on the first episode of a season. I think that would be almost even more interesting and daring. So I would like to see... It'll be interesting to see if he dies uh, in this next episode or or if it's in the previous one, uh, season five episode, I'm guessing 12. Um, but yeah, anyway, so John's dead and the wildlings uh, come in to rescue, um, basically burst into Castle Black, which uh, is where I'm assuming, so it seems like Devos and John and, and the rest of them are, have found themselves in this hut and they've trapped themselves there just to make sure um or i don't know they're just they're, they're hiding out there and, and they, they won't let the uh actual folks of castle black in uh the wildlings come in to rescue john and company uh and uh the basically there's some words here where i, I think i've known this but the castle black the people who ended up killing john um and then later being hanged for it uh killed john because they castle black was its, its mission was always to hold the wildlings from passing the wall um it's a very much like these are the other people who are who are not as uh intelligent or um or technical technologically advanced uh, and uh yeah they, there's just very much a, a dynamic of these people are not as um advanced as us and so we need to keep them in the wild areas is is kind of the vibe i'm getting here um and it seems like john and his mission and kind of a lot of different uh storylines going on in this show uh are that these are these are old ideas and that these things are coming to pass and so i'm seeing a lot of uh old folk having to um either f fix their mind or die 
change their mind or die. I forget what, um, I forget the Twin Peaks quote, but yeah. Um, Gregor smashes, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's this amazing moment where there's like a kind of a perv, perv, pervert guy um, talking about how he was um, exposing himself to Circe and, and that she was interested. I'm assuming he's telling this story I'm assuming this is when Circe was nakedly uh, or be, being forced to walk through the streets naked um, because I I was just kind of putting that together. I was like, why was she walking around naked? It must have been that moment, um, which is a really pretty screwed up thing to sort of fantasize and joke about. But I also don't know how terrible Circe has been before this. Not that that's any reason but anyway, um, this moment is hilarious. Gregor um, walks up to this guy after he's told this story about um, exposing himself to Circe, um, basically being a sexual predator. Um, uh, he goes to go pee on the wall outside drunkenly. And the timing, the, like the comedic timing on this moment, it just is amazing. Uh, Gregor just walks up. He turns around and pees on Gregor. And then Gregor just smashes the perv's head into the wall and it's like real gross but anyway just the timing is great is it gregor or sandor sandor is the other guy right yeah gregor's the evil one yeah so anyway um king toman demands uh circe to stay in the red keep i i know all of this from what i've learned in the next episodes uh but basically toman is being um manipulated by the sparrow the high sparrow in, in into thinking that he needs to um, punish Circe. She she won't be allowed into the sept, and so basically, King Toman is keeping her in the Red Keep to um, avoid that type of conflict that would come with that. Um, so Circe can't go to her daughter's funeral, and Jamie and Toman have a scene where they're sitting there with the daughter lying dead there. Um, and basically jamie is just getting more of the whole just getting more evidence that toman is being manipulated by the sparrow and then there's this weird moment where um i i just get this sense i guess i'm moving forward in my notes but toman goes later to circe after jamie has a little moment with the high sparrow and um, Toman goes to Circe and basically is like, I'm so sorry that I did this and I'm weak and you raised me to be strong and help me. Like, I should have brought the sept down on the sparrow's head. And so it's just bizarre to me because everything I've seen after this is Toman continuing to move with uh the plans of um the high sparrow and like believing in the high sparrow and kind of punishing Circe and and not moving from this uh his position but it, it just i'm very confused because in this moment i wrote down in my notes was toman in on the attack on the sept because i really don't it seemed as if he was asking her okay I'm finally going to bow to your ways. Like, help me do what I should have done. And so that's a twist in my mind. I mean, that's a backward twist because I really didn't... 
if that's what is actually happening here, I didn't see that 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 Toman was at all in on it. But then if I think about it, Toman did Toman Toman commit suicide after it. So that totally would make sense. If he was in on it, that means that he basically allowed Circe to move through a plan that would end in the murdering of his wife in the Sept, and then Toman just, you know, can't live with any of it anymore. And so Circe is bit I mean, yeah, this is all kind of coming together. It'll be interesting to hear what uh you everyone listening to me thinks of this and because i don't have anyone here talking directly to me that knows um it'll be interesting to see how, if i'm on to something here or if i'm dead right <laughs> but yeah this is really interesting uh, so my theory and what i'm assuming i've just learned is that basically circe and toman were toman was in on this on circe's planet after this point and um it was sort of um he Toman was sort of acting as well in in some of his scenes later especially with his wife um and so was she was she on in on it like what what i don't even know what's happening with all this but it's it's interesting anyway okay moving on there is more Tyrion trapped with gray uh, gray worm and co um and and misande and uh who else is in that room uh Varys and it's just funny. It seems I, I actually had to check the episode for a second because I was like, am I watching the same episode? Like, n I know it's funny and I like Olin said he likes this stuff, but it, it is just it feels like copy and pasted scenes to the point where I almost felt like Tyrion was saying the same stuff. Um, and maybe Tyrion repeats himself. I know he says that like. I drink and I know things. It's what I do. I've heard him say that a couple times. But anyway, not that I, I like Tyrion a lot. But yeah, this this segment, this whole section of season, or I guess this whole season where Tyrion is just trapped with Grey Worm and, um, and Missandei, is just sort of repetitive to me. And and I know that that's sort of the comedy of the whole thing. But it, I don't know. It's interesting, like I've said before, it's weird and interesting that the writers of the show decided to trap Tyrion in this situation. I mean, I think it's kind of a fun uh, fun way to write yourself into a sort of a trap with a character and putting the character in a situation where they're, they don't have their strengths, um, they, they sort of can't use their strengths. Um, sometimes this is cool maybe this is cool in the context of all of it but uh, yeah i don't know anyway um so it cuts to it i think i don't i don't know if this is a cut but it's basically Tyrion talking about how the slavers took back the bay oh yeah it isn't because Tyrion starts talking about the dragons um and he says that the dragons are under the pyramids and that they're hungry and then uh, he basically goes into the history of dragons in uh, Westeros. A Aegon used them to conquer Daenerys's family and uh, uh, yeah, heritage. Basically, put them into cages, or not necessarily, but you know, like they started treating them more like uh, dogs, I guess. And then um, then they became almost cat sized. Uh, before they went totally extinct and so basically 
what Tyrion is saying. I didn't understand the point of his of this whole thing until it cuts to the next scene where he basically goes down with Var- Varys under the pyramid and t- uh, just takes the sh- takes the shackles off the dragons. And I'm not I'm not sure if this is something that Daenerys would be cool with. I don't know why they're chained up to begin with. There's a lot of like lack of context obviously here. So I'm really not sure um, what's what Tyrion's actions really mean in the scheme of things. I know that in the future it really helps. So I don't know. Anyway, that being said, um, it's a, it's a pretty funny and, uh, it, it's a, it shows a lot of Tyrion's character of being able to talk his way out of basically any situation to the point where he is literally talking his way into the hearts of two dragons, but more, more so I'm learning about the dragon's intelligence and the, the emotional capabilities. I kind of wish Chris was on this episode because, one thing that we had huge issues with with the f- like finale of the whole series is the dragon melting the throne and for me it seemed totally random but symbolic not random it was very symbolic and it made a lot of sense in in the theme of the last couple episodes in the last seasons um but then chris and many other people that i've heard talk about that were just frustrated because they felt like the dragons weren't shown to be that intelligent and right here i'm seeing that Tyrion is saying you know the maesters say that the dragons are more intelligent and emotional than anyone understands or gives credit to and so it does this little tidbit of information um make the whole finale worth it i don't know but i've also heard some really stupid things about the writers saying um, I read an article where it was basically the writer of the show coming out and saying that the whole melting of the uh, throne was a literal like accident of the dragon. Like the dragon was just like burst, you know, just kind of blowing up emotionally because of something that, or, you know, because Daenerys was murdered, and so it just happened to to melt the. Uh, melt the throne but i mean thematically and and just visually it made it look very intentional like it was like hey like in reaction to the murder of daenerys i am realizing that this is the source of all of this issue uh, of these issues and like the source of a lot of suffering and pain in all of westeros for you know for ages so i don't yeah i don't know it's interesting to think about but um, it, it seems like what they're setting up here is that the dragons definitely are intelligent enough to do something like that, potentially. Um... <laughs> Cut to blind Arya begging um, on the streets and uh, basically that Terminator um, trainer woman I've seen her name only in subtitles, and I forget what it was, but I haven't actually seen it said yet, I don't think, which is still very weird, but that's probably because they're the nameless, um, or no names. So anyway, um, Arya is sitting there begging on the street with a a bull, and then uh, this Terminator lady comes up and starts uh, asking her what her name is, and then hitting her, and just sort of, I got got a very, like, Tyler Durden um, fight club cultish proving ground type of thing going on here where you know Arya's going up to the 
they're sitting on the front porch and and someone's coming down to to shout at her and tell her that she's worthless and nothing and until she basically breaks of all identity and then then she's cool to join this cult where she can then be used as a weapon um it's very much like the whole fight club thing so um that that's interesting and obviously i know where all this goes she ends up getting her eyes back and she becomes a part of the group then i'm basically seeing the whole beginning of this plot line for the most part i think hopefully in the first episode this this coming episode that i watch it'll probably be aria coming to them um and hopefully soon i'll start to see why she wanted to gain this um but i mean she basically is turning herself into a weapon so that then she can go punish everyone (laughs) which is so cool and I'm starting to see why Arya is like a fan favorite because this, yeah, it's like re. She's going through. She's putting herself through some serious um, training in order to get a very specific thing done, which is a very admirable thing for for anyone. Um, so anyway, uh, Ramsey cut to Ramsey Bolton, um, and uh, basically he's talking about how there were hunters um of his group that were murdered by sansa and her company and um basically i'm just getting a lot of vibes of there's a a big push in a lot of these different families of this area to remove the starks of power which is what i was mentioning about before it seems like there's the starks are now i mean the starks have been a part of this huge wave of 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 like you know the circle or whatever they the wheel of um power and kings taking the throne and then just people getting murdered all the time and it's all pointless um and yeah it just seems like this is more of that kind of pressure building and uh although a lot of the starks are now starting to see that wheel and starting to understand these historic failures um i don't know yeah it's just interesting i mean because like with the whole climate change thing this is what we this is what we talk about now it's it's we are now we are currently living in a world that is created on constructs of you know like capitalism and and um you know manufacturing large amounts of objects that we don't need and just just all sorts of really bad practices like pumping carbon into the, the air and it just like it's just not good but it's how we've done things and there's this really weird moment right now where everything is starting to be tested by all of this pressure building and, and we're all kind of figuring out that we need to change things but it's so complicated like how do we burn that how do we how do we melt down that throne um it's it's you know maybe sadly maybe we need a dragon to like come and just do it for us and, and then and I'm, I'm afraid of what that dragon is i didn't realize this was going to go here <laughs> but i'm alone with a microphone and i'm talking so anyway yeah um real talk back to ramsey uh ramsey is a horrible I can't believe it. Like Ramsey murdered his father, which is this whole thing was insane amounts of shock. Like Ramsey murders his father after after he just hears that his son was born, Ramsey's brother. And then he tells ever he tells the the hand or whatever to t- to tell everyone that he was poisoned by the enemy 
and then he goes and i'm like this is one of those moments where it starts to lead to some things that i just don't want to see and i'm like why what's about to happen and basically i wrote do i already know what happens with the mother and baby because he was like go get my mother and baby and it obviously seemed as if he was going to murder them and then he takes them to the dog kennel and the rest happens um but yeah it was i did not want to see that and it was luckily they didn't show anything but it was just shows enough to show that ramsey i knew he was a turd but that was unbelievably like that's definitely the most evil i've seen in this show i think um so anyway sansa and brienne it cuts to them and this is interesting so this is like sort of this i'm seeing the ends of some big moments and i think it has to do with the red wedding um and i'm seeing uh sansa's whole start uh her plot line going f to john finding john and then taking back winterfell it's all kind of happening here um so sansa and brienne are in the woods and it looks like something serious just happened and what i know about what sansa has just gone through it must have been something to do with um, being attacked by ramsey's folks um, or Ramsey's like soldiers or something and then there was the fight that they all ended up dying and then I find out that Theon was helping her um, and so Theon is I'm, I'm not sure it, it seems as if Theon was hired to do something like my theory based on what I've seen is that theory with Theon was hired by someone to kill um, Sansa and uh, maybe not Sansa, but um, specifically he mentions that he murdered a couple people, a couple farms boy or farm boys in place of Bran and Rickon. So he was obviously supposed to kill Bran and Rickon, but then he like killed a couple other people and like tried to fake it for some reason and uh, disobey his orders. So, yeah, I'm just interested to see why Theon was hired or, or, or like, why Theon was there to kill Brandon Rickon, why he didn't. Um, he must have had a change of heart. Um, Brienne, or uh, Sansa and Theon seem really close here. She's she's kind of bummed out that he's going to leave um, and go back to the Iron Islands. And, and I'm just feeling a lot more for Theon. I haven't seen all the stuff he's gone through yet even, but I, this is hinting at some serious things and... From what I've seen of Theon, he's he's very mopey throughout the rest of this, and um, yeah, just has a really tough time. Um, so I'm starting to feel some of uh, some emotion, emotional connection to him, um, which is funny. I, I I was thinking, you know, watching it all backwards, it's like I see I see the action, I see what happens, and then everything is basically like, how did it get to this? And so. Yeah, like like I've said a billion times in this podcast, it, it, it's just interesting that, you know, I've seen what happens with Theon and I've, I've seen um, sort of how damaged he is from his past. And now I'm starting to get to see sort of where that where what the source of, uh, of that damage was. Um, so then it cuts to Yara um, in the Iron Islands, and she's um, talking to her uh, king, her father, I'm guessing. Yeah, her father. Um, and talking about how the Glovers have taken back Deepwood Mot, Moat, Deepwood Moat, which she says is the last stronghold on the mainland because they're on the islands and they're a seafaring people. And it seems like there's like this push for the... Politically, there's like some... Uh, social push in the Iron Islands to 
um, to find some good mainland strongholds and, and uh, cities so that they can have a real say in, uh, in Westeros. And it seems as if the king hasn't been really respecting this interest and uh, really hasn't he seems to be losing authority of the people and uh as i've seen in the future this is obvious um with like how easily they jump onto euron's plan and um basically yara said she tried to save theon at one point and the king is sort of like yeah well a lot of people are just sort of disrespecting me and doing whatever they want and that's why we're in this situation um, but anyway, Euron comes to, on the bridge and basically just murders um, murders the king Balon. Um, he he said, "What what is dead may never die," and it's supposed to be repeated. And, and then basically, I figure out it's a prayer to the drowned god. Um, and then yeah, he kills the king. And then Yara talks about how she wants to kill whoever did it. And then some guy is like, "Well, you you have to win the throne." And she's sort of like, well, it's mine because my dad and king died. I'm the next in line. But uh, he, this guy's saying, that, you know, that's not how it really is. And you have to win it somehow. I am kind of forget how this is supposed to go down. But obviously, I know how it ends up going down. Uh, but anyway, so Melisandre and Devos cut to them. And Devos is basically begging John to um or De devos is begging melisandra to bring back john and he he's like can you bring her back or can you bring him back uh just give it a go it'd be it'd be neat and then um he she she seems like she can't and then he's like well you drank poison and you gave birth to a demon which is very interesting i can't wait to see why what that is and um the red woman is basically like, well, I was, uh, I was wrong about a lot of things. I'm, I'm guessing it's that spoiler I know about where she, she had that the the daughter of a king murdered in order to um, please appease the gods to win a war, and it didn't work out, and she was wrong, and so she's she's very conflicted about the reality of the of the gods, uh, the, um, and so she doesn't think this is going to work out but she does it anyway and and obviously she brings him back and there's like a big you know a big scene where you're the the audience is wondering if it's actually going to work or not and uh i was kind of hoping it would end on a cliffhanger but then i realized oh yeah i know that he comes back on this episode because the next episode starts with him like moving around already um but she in the subtitles it said that she was speaking valerian while while she was doing this and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming because she is a sort of a red witch she's speaking valerian because valerian it must be some old dead civilization or something and this uh it's the same people who made the valerian steel the blades um, which are very sought after and i'm assuming it's because they have some sort of magical ability but also because it's dead and, and no one's making them anymore they're really scarce and so um yeah so i get the sense that uh, i'm getting spoiled through the subtitles uh, of information that other people probably already know um by this point but the valerian um, i'm guessing that must be some sort of lost civilization who had some ancient magic that has been lost with them um but you know carried on through these few people like the red uh red woman but anyway that's it that's it for 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 now um uh 
I don't want to keep this going for long just because, like I said, there isn't anyone else to talk here with. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, it's, it's been interesting. I feel like because no one's in the room, I've been sort of expanding on certain ideas because I have to, because if I don't, then it's just going to, the conversation will stop there. So that's been kind of fun. That might, hopefully that's a treat for you, or maybe it's unbearable. I don't know. Anyway, I feel like, uh, that crime pays, but botany doesn't video series where the guy's just like shouting about botany on the side of the street with his camera. Cause I'm just alone, like shouting about game of Thrones. But anyway, uh, yeah, go watch Crime Pays, but Botany doesn't. It's like my favorite thing on YouTube, and it's like the greatest thing ever right now. So anyway, uh, have a good rest of your week, and we will see you here next week with uh, hopefully Chris and Olin and maybe some other folks to talk about Season 6, Episode 1 and uh, wrap up this season. Thanks for listening. Mm, where? Hear the little folk song about Short and Dragon. Kurt's watching it backward, he ain't seen it before. What will he find out? Turns out shows are kind of boring backward, but that's okay. We're gonna keep doing this weird fucking podcast anyway.